Hello, crime historians, and welcome back to another episode of A Crime Story. I hope you had a safe and healthy new year, and I know 2021 has already been an eventful year for money, but I hope you had a happy and healthy holidays and a great new year. I'm your host, Kaylin Lois, a graduate student in international relations living in Paris, France. I have always been obsessed with true crime and how crime affects cultures and alters history. So I decided to turn this obsession and research into a podcast to tell you all about these insane crime stories. On this episode of A Crime Story, I will be covering my first ever American case of this podcast, but don't you worry because it still has an international element to it. This case has intrigued me ever since I watched a special on this case on Investigation Discovery on the show Grave Mysteries, and it has honestly, has truly stuck with me. Today, I will discuss the 2000 murder of Kyrgyzstan national Anastasia Slolivivia King at the hands of her American husband. This is episode 22 of A Crime Story, America's Mail Order Bride Murder. Before I begin the details of the crime story, let us quickly discuss the America's criminal system, which runs on the common law system. If you break the law in the United States, you are presumed innocent until proven guilty. You can either be found guilty by admission of your own guilt or through a criminal trial where you defend yourself against a state government or the federal government and are found guilty by a judge or jury beyond a reasonable doubt. Violation of criminal law can result in fines, imprisonment, or death in the United States. The basis for American criminal law is the United States Constitution, penal codes, and court precedent. Since the victim in this case was a United States resident and a citizen of Kyrgyzstan, here are just some quick facts of the Central Asian country. Kyrgyzstan, officially the Krogs Republic, holds a population of a just under 6.5 million people. The former USSR country capital is Bishkek. The main languages are Krogs and Russian, and the large majority of the country's citizens practice Islam. Today, Kyrgyzstan is one of the main routes which China exports its goods to other Central Asian countries and is a major recipient of Chinese investment. For the United States, Kyrgyzstan is seen as a beacon of democracy it hopes to spread across the planet and is a military ally and the primary transit point serving U.S. troops in, a, in Afghanistan. This crime story is bicontinental and I'm ecstatic to be discussing my first American case. It only took me 22 episodes to do so. <laughs> Though this is an American case, it is not well known. One of the reasons I believe this to be so is because the victim, Anastasia, was a, quote, mail order bride. Now, first and foremost, I want to say that Anastasia was much more than this label. And today, in 2021, the term is becoming more and more controversial. And the term is often criticized by international marriage agencies and for those who are in international relationships. 
I myself, who came to France to be with my former boyfriend and for graduate school, have been asked once or twice my true intentions of living in France, and the term was brought up. It is important to remember that this murder took place in the year 2000, and that's what the press referred to Anastasia as. The definition of mail order bride is a woman who lists herself in catalogs and is selected by a man for marriage. Historically, this phenomenon started in the 1800s when American men moved out to the wide open west where there were little to no women. To satisfy their needs, men wrote letters to churches back in the eastern United States and published personal advertisements in magazines and newspapers. In return, the women would write to the men and send them photographs of themselves. Courtship was conducted by letter until a woman agreed to marry a man who she had never met in person. In the 20th century, the term referred to women that met their American husbands through international pen pal catalogs based in Southeast Asia. Today, in the 21st century, the phenomenon has primarily moved online. Popular American re reality television show 90 Day Fiancé and its multiple spin-offs has friends and family members ask the international fiancés if they're mail-order brides. Now that I've given you some geographic and cultural background, let's hop in to today's crime story. Anastasia Slotovivia was born December 24, 1980 in the former USSR city Bishkek, which today serves as the capital of Kyrgyzstan. Anastasia was the only child of Antoli and Alatina Slotovivia, who both made their living as music teachers. Anastasia shared in her parents' passion for music and showed promise as a classical pianist. Anastasia was the top piano student at her musical college in Bishkek and graduated with honors. She spoke three languages and had worked as a travel agent, model, music tutor, and translator. Though successful in Kyrgyzstan, Anastasia became curious of life outside of the country. Her parents encouraged this because they knew that she could have great success outside of Kyrgyzstan, and therefore they submitted pictures of their 17-year-old daughter in 1997 to a matchmaking service in hopes it would help her make connections in America. A relative of theirs had found an American husband through this matchmaking service, so they thought that there was just no harm in it. It was not long until letters and emails for Anastasia started appearing. Apparently, there was hundreds of letters wanting Anastasia's affection. One of these letters was from a 37-year-old man in Seattle named Indel King. Indel G. King Jr. seemed to be living the American dream as his family had made quite a name for themselves in the Pacific Northwest. Indel's father, Indel King Sr., was the CEO of Teak Inc a leading industrial design firm, and his mother, Rosalie, was a art professor at Western Washington University. For his part, Indel Jr. earned a master's degree in finance from the University of Chicago in 1987, but after college, Indel kept getting fired from jobs and moved to the middle of Ohio to be a adjunct professor at local colleges while working on his PhD. In the early 1990s, Indel King placed an ad in the Moscow News inviting a female Russian student to study in America. By early 1993, he was corresponding with Ekaterina Kasakova, an 18-year-old from Siberia, Russia. 
That September, she came to Ohio as a visiting biology student. By October, she was married to King. She later said that Endel told her it was the only way for her to continue to study in the United States. During their marriage, Ekaterina continued her studies to become a dentist while Endel taught at local colleges. But after a year, King dropped out of the doctoral program and his teaching contracts weren't renewed. His cars were repossessed and he desperately tried to make money by investing, which he would force his bride to take out loans for his investing schemes. In 1997, the two divorced and Ekaterina received a restraining order after telling the court that Indol assaulted her and threatened to kill her. Indol had felt that Ekaterina used him to achieve American citizenship. After this ugly and bitter divorce, Indol moved back to his hometown of Seattle and started an unsuccessful investment company. You know what they say, if it doesn't work the first time, try and try again? which Indel did, looking for his next ride through international mail order and matchmaking services. Indel King was persistent in his letters to Anastasia. She was really hoping she could have a friend in him. Anastasia was young and beautiful with piercing green eyes and long blonde hair, and Indel was a 270-pound, nearly bald man. I mention this because Indel always wanted to impress his peers. A friend from high school stated that he kept his car immaculate in order to impress his friends, and as the years went on and his physical appearance declined, Indel's ways to impress his peers was with beautiful women. His friend stated that Indel's absolute obsession was to have a blonde, Nordic, obedient woman on his arm. Not long after the ink dried on Indel's divorce papers to Ekaterina in December 1997, he went on a trip to Kyrgyzstan in which he presented himself to Anastasia and her parents as a successful businessman. He struck Anastasia's father as an organized, efficient man, and he impressed Anastasia's mother with his interest in classical music and education. Anastasia's parents had concerns about Indel from his physical appearance to his recent divorce, but Indel ensured them that his previous bride ran off in a cruel manner and promised Anastasia a wonderful life filled with adventure, a good education, and that she would never want for money. Anastasia was smitten with Indel, and in March 1998, she went to America for a visit, and just one month later, on April 30, 1998, 37-year-old Indel King and 18-year-old Anastasia went before the Justice of Peace and married. <laughs> The joys of marriage between Indel and Anastasia did not last long. Anastasia quickly realized that Indel was not as financially stable as he led her to believe. So they offered their spare bedrooms to rent in their Seattle suburban home, and Indel was very controlling of Anastasia. According to an LA Times article, Indel wanted to know where she was at every minute of the day. He wouldn't let her get a driver's license. They argued a lot. He said he wanted children. She said she wasn't ready. Anastasia enrolled in the University of Washington and worked tools as a waitress and restaurant hostess. Indel took the money from her account. 
Anastasia read books about how to save marriage, but nothing seemed to help. By the summer of 2000, two years after their marriage, it was warfare. Indel was corresponding with other prospective mail order brides, and Anastasia was seeing other men and keeping a list of her husband's transgressions. He threatened to hurt her, forced her to have sex, and forbade her from going to a counselor. She wrote in a journal that she hid in her safety deposit box. A co-worker of Anastasia stated that she constantly would see bruises on Anastasia, and one time she showed to work with what seemed to be self-inflicted cuts on her wrist. Anastasia was depressed. In August of 2000, Anastasia decided to go home to Kyrgyzstan for a bit just to get away from Indol. She told her parents about the physical and sexual abuse and how she wanted to go back to the States and get divorced, then file for a permanent residency card. Indul stayed behind in the States and welcomed a new tenant to move into their spare bedroom of his home. 21-year-old Daniel K. Larson, who is a registered sex offender. Also during this month, Indel was fired from his job at Costco and cited by police for shoplifting two bananas and a 12-pack of soda. Indel told the officer that he was in a financial bind because his wife was divorcing him, but she wasn't. She had taken no formal steps towards divorce, but Indel filed for divorce whilst Anastasia was home in Kyrgyzstan. Indel told his attorney that he had no idea where his wife was, but his telephone records told a different story as they were talking frequently. After filing for divorce in August, Indel flew to Kyrgyzstan on September 18th to join his wife towards the end of her visit in what he said was in hopes to reconcile their marriage. Now, we will never know what Indel said to Anastasia to get her to come back to the United States with him, but four days after his arrival in Kyrgyzstan, they flew back and both were recorded as entering the country and took a shuttle bus from the airport to their home. This was the last day that Anastasia was seen alive. Anastasia's parents grew worried as they had not heard from their daughter and her reliable emails were not coming through. Anastasia had not returned back to her job as a restaurant hostess and stopped attending school. Concerns to the police from friends and her parents back in Kyrgyzstan caused the police to contact Indel. Indel King initially told the police that he left his wife in Moscow, changing his story only when confronted with records that showed them clearing customs together in Seattle. But Indul insisted he had no idea where his wife was, and the missing persons case grew cold. Police kept a close eye on Indul and noticed that he was making frequent trips to the county jail to visit his old tenant, Daniel K. Larson. You see, in November 2000, sex offender Daniel went back into the system by trying to have sex with a 16-year-old in a mall restroom. The police grew suspicious over these jail visits between Daniel and Indel and interviewed Daniel who spilled the beans and he stated he knew where Anastasia's body was. Later on during the trial, it was revealed that after Indel and Anastasia returned home from the airport, Indel gave his wife a kiss and a bear hug which signaled Daniel to tie a necktie around Anastasia's neck. Daniel later testified on the stand that, quote, Anastasia screamed and Endel told me to open the door. He carried her inside the house. 
Daniel described the sound she made as just a scream and panic. She was forced to the floor, the tie still dangling from her neck, and Indel King held her down. He told me to tighten the tie, Daniel said, struggling for her life. Anastasia King managed to tell her husband that she had told someone Indel planned to kill her. He wanted to know who and told Daniel to loosen the tie. When she refused to identify the person, Daniel said he told me to tighten the necktie again. I did as I was told. I twisted the necktie and kept on twisting it. He also recounted how he and King disposed of her body, first by cutting her long blonde hair, then wrapping it in a blanket that was used by the family dog and driving it to a remote area near Marysville, Washington, and digging a grave. At trial, Daniel testified that Endel King had enlisted him to kill his wife Anastasia so that he could avoid another expensive divorce like the one from his first wife, which cost him $55,000. Daniel Larson received a plea bargain of second-degree murder with an agreement to testify against Indel at trial. He received a sentence of 14 to 23 years in prison. His testimony, along with the hard work of investigators and the prosecution team, secured a first-degree murder sentence for Indel G. King Jr. with a life sentence without the possibility of parole in prison. Three days after the verdict was read, all but two of the jurors joined Anastasia's parents at a graveside service. They held hands in a circle around the grave and prayed. Anastasia's parents gave each one of them a chocolate egg, which was one of Anastasia's favorite treats, and the jurors gave her, the parents a plaque that read, In Remembrance of Anastasia who only wished to follow her dream. This completes the 22nd episode of a crime story podcast. Now, what do you think of the term mail order bride? Personally, I understand why someone would give up everything in hopes for what they think would be a better life. Are you happy Endel King is in prison for life? Because I know I sure am. He just seems like a terrible person who should never be put into society ever again. I would love to know your thoughts about this case. You can comment on a crime story Instagram at a crime story pod where I will be posting images of today's story. Or you can comment on a crime story podcast on Facebook or a crime story pod on Twitter or even comment and see additional photos on a crime story podcast on YouTube. I am also on TikTok under the name A Crime Story Podcast. My website is a acrimestorypodcast.com where you can listen to the podcast as well as read a transcript of today's story under the blog tab. Thank you so much for listening. If you could please leave a review of the podcast, it helps others find the show. Also, if you could tell a friend or two or ten or a thousand about a crime story, I would greatly appreciate it. I hope to see you next time on January 27th, where I will be covering a case from England. I have read a book about this case, I've researched it for a long time, and I'm really excited to tell you all about it, so you definitely won't want to miss episode 23 of A Crime Story Podcast. A Crime Story is created, hosted, researched, written, and edited by me, Kaylin Lois. Sources for today's episode can be found on my website, acrimestorypodcast.com. The artwork for the show was created by Sabrina Smith. 
Theme music is by Ross Budgen, and additional story editing is brought to you by my father, Mike. Thank you so much for listening to A Crime Story, and stay safe at home and abroad.